Blog Talk Radio. Do you believe that death is the end? Or is it just a new beginning? Does our soul continue to evolve? Or is it buried six feet under? Spiritual encounters and unexplained phenomena have intrigued people for centuries. But what if you could find the answer? Right here, right right now. Welcome to Heavenly Encounters, Encounters. where we will talk with everyday people who have had extraordinary experiences and gifted souls that see beyond the veil. veil. Together, we'll diminish our fear of death, explore our soul's evolution, and soften the crippling grief that accompanies loss. Heavenly Encounters. You, our listeners, will discover a new world. A fresh reality. A fresh reality. Just a whisper away. Heavenly encounters. So take a deep breath and join us on this fascinating adventure. This is Heavenly Encounters. Heavenly Encounters. A journey to the other side. Heavenly Encounters. Welcome to Heavenly Encounters, a journey to the other side. I am your host, Mary Elizabeth, broadcasting from Chicago, Illinois. And I'm your co-host. Broadcasting live from St. Louis, Missouri. Well, have you ever wondered where you come from? What your purpose is here on Earth? Well, on today's show, we will discuss reincarnation and how it works, as well as why we incarnate over and over and over again. But first, don't forget to check out my new blog, Past Lives and Portable Radios. You can also access all of our past shows at heavenlyencountersradio.com. So, Janice, let's start with a little history. Now, this is really interesting because at the beginning of the Christian era, reincarnation was actually one of the fundamental beliefs of faith. It wasn't until like 545 A.D. that Emperor Justinian told the Roman Catholic Church to remove all references of it, including the Bible. So the belief in reincarnation actually became punishable by death. By death. So, which doesn't make any sense, because if everyone comes from God, they're a part of God, and they go back to God. You know, it's, James, it just seems so strange that today most people don't even believe in it. Why do you think oh, that I is? Know. Well, and I, I think it's because, you know, a lot of the great uh, and old precepts or truths that we can consider the esoteric was lost by so much of that. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. part of all of the mystery schools on every continent and great civilization. Um, Pythagoras wrote about it, and it was really kind of brought back into the uh, conscious mind in Europe by Plato, actually. Um, So it's always been there, but it's unfortunate that, you know, at the the time that, you know, you're, you're looking at, you know, the Council of Nicaea and, and wanting to go ahead and say, this is what's right and this is what's wrong. You know, they they got rid of so many, so many books and so many writings. Right. But it, it, reincarnation was what? And even if you look at the Bible, you will be born again. You right. Know? Yeah. Well, you know, it really was, it was a power play even back then, because they felt that if people thought that they could come back over and over and over again, it wouldn't make any difference what they did in this life, that they wouldn't be accountable 
for whatever their sins were, and it also gave the emperor more power. Exactly, and I was going to say, you know, and and even today, because I and I say that because I was raised Catholic, and the concept mm-hmm. of confession that you know you can't talk directly to God or be forgiven directly by God, you have to go through an intercessor. Well, if everybody realizes they can talk directly to God, you don't need the intercessor. And so right, but you know what's was, interesting though? The Pope though, the Pope at that time did not want to go along with the emperor. He refused, and Justinian was going to have him actually arrested, but he escaped. Yes. So he did not want to you know, say, hey, you know what, this is not true, because he in his heart believed that it was true. Right, and it, so, it's unfortunate, but it's like so many, you know, it's a mixture of religion and politics, and it's right. unfortunate, but politics always wins. You know, the, right. the, the truth right. gets buried, yeah. Right, and it's, and unfortunately, it's still the case. But so anyway, yeah. so let's move on a little bit. Let's talk actually about the how. So how do you view how reincarnation actually works? Well, reincarnation, according to a lot of the great old writers, the esoteric writers, it's really the transmigration of the soul, mm-hmm. and that is that you have a soul that is created whole, and that soul exists for eternity, forever. And that soul every now and then will become enmeshed or entangled in different physical forms. And in our case, it happens to become uh, the soul enmeshed in in humanity and what we consider humanity. And, and, And going back in our future, you know, we are homo sapiens now, you know. We were all sorts of different trees on the branch of, you know, the branch of man. Right. And so it has always, always been like that. And, you know, it's it's a there was the concept always, too, and we come to it now with uh, kind of quantum physics, you know, that God is like breath, that breath created the, the, the world. You know, God, God breathed life into. So that it is always a constant, you know, um, uh, expansion, mm-hmm. and then you contract again. Right. And, but you, now, you I guess remember. my view is a little bit different. It's you know I've read a lot of books um, by Tony Stubbs, who actually does have a sh- had a show, I should say, here on the Health and Harmony Radio Network. He has since crossed over, but he has written just dozens of books too on the afterlife. And you know the way I kind of understood it is after, let's say, I die, I will continue to live out my days in the soul plane as Mary, along with like maybe whatever, however ever many times I incarnated before, a hundred, a thousand. So every single one of my incarnations, that person is still kind of like alive and well in spirit on the other side. But then what he believed was that we are also fragments of that soul. So I'm a fragment of, I don't know, for better, or I guess like the original soul or the oversoul. Right. So then every time I reincarnate, there's a new fragment that incarnates. So if you take like you know that holographic theory of the universe where everything within us is within the universe, you know the same could be said for your soul. But within every fragment, you know, is the entire soul. So I guess that's just really kind of another way, you know, to look at it. Right, and then also understand them too, especially the ancient Egyptians. They 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 talked about the soul and the spirit and the personality. So the right. soul, soul is eternal. And so if you right. look at the part of you that comes down to reincarnate, that's your, the spiritual aspect of your soul. Mm-hmm. And each individual life, rather than a, like a fragment, think of it in terms of a personality. 
Right. You know, right. so you're, you're Mary, you're Joan, you know. And then also what affects it, too, is how long it is between incarnations. Mm-hmm. Um, the writings that I used to, you know, read and studied under were it was a minimum of 60 years before, you know, they recommended that you reincarnated again. Uh, and if you came back too fast, you could actually come back and, you know, not have completely gone through and learned the lessons of the previous life and bring some of those traits back into this life lifetime hmm. or the life that the current lifetime, which sometimes could hamper or hinder you in learning the lesson that you needed to learn. Well, that would make sense because obviously, you know, everyone's heard of that judgment day, which I really truly believe is more of a life review. And it may take that long to really review that last life and to really understand and kind of integrate all of those lessons that you did learn or the ones that you did not learn as well. Right. And most people die, I think, in fear. If if you look mm-hmm. at history, you know, they, they die in war or you die in crashes and that. Right. So it's kind of having to work through that fear because, you know, before you really get to that soul review, well, you can let go of that fear, you know. And that's one of the things, too, that, you know, if you come back too fast, if you were in a war or in a car crash, you might come back and be deathly afraid of getting inside of a, a motor vehicle. Hmm, interesting. Well, you know what? What I thought, I also read this really intriguing article that claimed that your soul is not 100% anchored into your physical body until you're like the age of, you know, three or even four years old, which, you know, it kind of does explain that children are more apt to see their spirit guides, which they kind of call their imaginary friends, or they even remember, you know, their past lives. What do you think about oh, that? Oh, absolutely, because that's an open door for them. They're not mm-hmm. really integrated in this world completely. I mean, you look at how much a baby sleeps, and we know that when you sleep, you're out of body. You right. know, so as as a new soul being brought into this world, most of that time is spent, you know, in in that in that kind of divinity in that soul world. Right, and the thing is, you know, once you get into this really dense, heavy body, you have this tendency just to really forget. You know who you yes. truly are, right? So, well, you know the same goes out too for the at the end of your life, when your etheric cord starts to detach. Especially, let's say if you have a very long illness, it seems that once again you may start catching glimpses glimpses of the other side. Well, absolutely, going back and forth until until you actually cross. Right, and that kind of goes when you know what we like to do with our show is the near death experiences. Right. And that's kind of what happens is, you know, you kind of fall into yourself. And the less anchored you are into this world, the more available the other world is to you. And that's why people will have out-of-body experiences and near-death experiences, you know, and then right. come back and have the ability to bring that back with them. But that's exactly, that is exactly what happens. Right. Well, I had a cousin actually... Gosh, it's been a couple months now where she was stage four cancer. She knew she was getting ready to cross over, and she had a you know, do not resuscitate order. Well, she said that she was starting to go. She could feel herself just leaving her body, and all she saw was this just amazing bright light. It was calm. It was loving. It was just such a wonderful, nurturing environment, and they resuscitated her, and she was oh. mad. Um, so she ended up going home. Bad. And two days later, you know, she crossed, you know, on her own. So it truly is amazing. But so let's talk, though, about the purpose. 
You know, some people believe, what's the, why in the world would you come back again, again, and again, and again? But there really is a purpose as to why we do reincarnate, isn't there? Well, and yes, and that goes back to that kind of transmigration of the soul, mm-hmm. and that is that in this, in this. And this kind of soul level that we're living on, the soul is constantly evolving. And as our physical body evolves, so too does our soul. And we've all been talking about the golden age that is coming up. And what this is is simply, you know, a next evolutionary step within our soul growth. But absolutely, and that soul grows. I mean, and it's. I mean, you look at uh, again. If we were talking about fear, a lot of the things now that we know to be true and everybody accepts. You go back five hundred years, you could be killed for having the thought or having the belief. Oh, I pretty much was. I mean, yeah. one of the first things I did, this was years ago when I first started doing radio. Um, we, I had taken training for the Akashic Records. And several other people had also, but one of the training was you could actually, from the second stage, you could look at your past lives and you could see other people's past lives. In the last life that I had previous to this one, and I actually talk about this in my latest blog, was that I was actually committed to an insane asylum, which is what they called it then. And I was doing exactly what I'm doing right now, talking about exactly what I'm talking about right now. And people thought I was absolutely nuts. So right. here I am doing it again, and you know, still people. Some people do think I am still nuts. <laughs> However, it's I'm not getting thrown, you know, in a padded room this time. Right. And you know, it's part of my original wound. It's you know, no one listens to me, but I'm going to do it anyways. I don't care. Um, well, I have something and that's to say. Why, right, and it's very, very important, and that's part of our journey is to learn during this kind of transmigration to be able to right. fix our soul. In this mm-hmm. physical realm, it's how we heal. It's how we heal the planet. It's how we all evolve and grow. And right. um, that's one of the things I remember a very good teacher of mine said one time because it was like, well, if you get to the place like I was talking about Buddha, if you sit under the Bodhi tree and you get to Nirvana, why on earth would you stay? You know. Mm-hmm. And she said, but the whole purpose was not so much to get to the point where you can leave, but that you can touch it and then start bringing it back and recreating it here. Absolutely. And that is exactly why we you know, we reincarnate hundreds of times, thousands of times, to begin to understand every single aspect, I think, of humanity. You know, we come back rich, we come back poor, we come back white, we come back black, male, female, you know, we're in... We experience every single kind of, I think, emotion that there is to experience in a variety of circumstances. And that's how we begin to master it. Exactly. And if you look at the soul as just being one, it has no Mm -hmm. masculine, feminine dimension. And once it comes down back here, all of those masculine, feminine, black, white, red, you know, tall, short, where are you born? All of those are limitations that the soul has to overcome, you know, and to realize what is important and true and what is not important and true. And hopefully you learn the lesson. Otherwise, it's kind of then you have to come back and kind of like retaking a class. It's not Mm -hmm. necessarily a punishment, but it's a lesson that in order for your soul to grow, it needs to learn. Right, and I think the absolute perfect example of that is the movie Groundhog Day. 
Yes. Where it repeats over and over and over again. You know, we may have different characteristics, we may have different parents, um, different situations, but you know, we're gonna do it until we actually master that lesson and then take on another lesson. Exactly. And that's the thing, I think that's why some people have the same experience even in this lifetime over and over and over again. You get in the, you know, get in this horrible relationship every single time, you have a horrible boss every single time. Um, we just continue to repeat, repeat, repeat until one time, you know what, we try doing it a little different this time. And that's right. when we begin to learn, I think. Right. And so then to realize also, true. oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say to realize, too, that as we place ourselves in these situations, that one of the important facts to realize is that they are illusions. And that's why, right. that's why the growth of our soul doesn't benefit illusion. It benefits from truth. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going to throw you a curveball. Okay. And this, may, this is, you know, when people thought I'm nuts, this is probably where you're going to get it from. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> we don't necessarily always incarnate to this planet Earth, do we, Janice? No. No. Like I said, when when whatever lesson it is that we we need uh, to learn, and then also too, you know, when we stop and we think of third dimension, we are always thinking about Earth, right? But within our galaxy, within this galaxy, how many third dimensional worlds are they? I don't how know. Many, how many do you think? Oh God, I don't even know. It's probably more than we could ever imagine. And then, you know, like we've talked about, you know, dimensions living in, you know, the the seen and the unseen. And so what third dimensional world do you inhabit? You know, do you are you part of that seen world? Are you part of the unseen world? And so hmm. it, it's almost, I mean, it, it's an amazing, for somebody that comes, a soul that wants to come in and reincarnate, there was a vast amount of of choices to be made. That's why they always talk about, you know, like weaving a tapestry. You're taking a thread right. and you're weaving a tapestry because there's so much that has to come together and confluence in order for you to be able to come down and start on your journey to accomplish what you set out to accomplish. Right. Well, you know, I was told I have a, this wonderful, wonderful woman that uh, we've become friends. She's just a very amazing, intuitive channel medium. And she was telling me at one point that, you know, I know this is not too hard for some people to, you know, understand that I'm actually from a different planet. <laughs> yes. And when it, was come, when it was time to actually incarnate, I guess I always come back with one of my cats. And my cat was like, oh, my gosh, do we have to go back to that planet again? <laughs> and she's like, and it, it wasn't, it was, uh, it was a cat a couple of cats ago. It was like the first one I had. She's like, oh, the earth is just not very much fun. No. So, and I think it probably is one of the hardest places to be, the, one of the most dense, probably unevolved planets in the galaxies, don't you think? Oh, yeah. And in a, a lot of the uh, esoteric writings, it's one of the things that um, they talked about why Christ is so respected, you know, in the spiritual realm, and that wherever he goes, he has a certain a light to his aura and mm -hmm. that people are absolutely amazed that he was able to come back and do what he set out to do in one lifetime and that there are just so many people that are great souls and teachers that simply will not come 
that will not come down here <laughs> because the path is too hard. And so right. that, that's that's really amazing that they they you know, but that I do remember that that they show him a great amount of respect for coming and and right. doing and accomplishing something in a short period of time. It's something that they wouldn't have undertaken. Right. So if you're having a bad day, a bad week, even you know, kind of a bad year, it's like just realize that this is a tough place to be, and it will it get better. Really and you've got a bunch of cheerleaders on the other side, just you know, cheering you on. So so let's switch a bit and talk a little bit about karma. How do the laws of karma play into all of this into, and into reincarnation? Well, the, the laws of karma are not, like some people think, a debit or a credit. So mm-hmm. that if, uh, you know, I kill you in this lifetime, that we come back and you get to kill me in the next lifetime. The whole idea is to learn the lesson that life is precious and that, you know, thou shalt not kill, that you don't kill something that God created, that everything that God creates is sacred. And so karma is simply the lesson that we come back in, and the reincarnation is the vehicle with which we live that karmic life. I mean, it could be, oh gosh, it could be something like a a cause and effect, or it could Mm -hmm. be you know, a person that five lifetimes from now is going to find a cure for a disease. And the best way to find out what the disease is is to come back and to have that disease. Right. I mean, so, you spent an entire lifetime with Crohn's disease. So yeah. you very easily could come back another life. I know you don't want to. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Find the cure for it. Yeah, well, Rudolf Steiner, who's one of my favorites, said one time that when you look at people that in this lifetime have great challenges, mentally Mm -hmm. or physically, you know, you see them and they're in wheelchairs or that, is that you are looking at a person that is probably not doing individual karma, but doing community karma. In other words, it's not so much their lesson, but they're helping you learn your lesson. Absolutely. And and that's that's the most profound gift to give to anybody. Well, I'm I think the first when you see, to say, I yeah, I don't want yeah. to come back. Right. Well, I mean, you see these, you know, starving children in Africa. You see homeless people on the street. They've taken on so much, um, not only karma but also just an extraordinary life lesson. Oh, very, um, very. To live very that true. life, and it's something to be respected, not something to look, you know, to look down on, which is what we usually do in this country. Right. And, you know, it's, right. it's always been kind of interesting to me that when we look at people like that, we avert our eyes. We don't want to look at right. it. And I sometimes right. wonder if there's not a part of us that can see that light. That's a good point. Want, yeah, that we just don't want to have to see that this is, an, you know, maybe a master in disguise, that we mm-hmm. were, you know, we're just comfortable with our, oh, it's a drunk, you know, oh, it's just a homeless right. person. right. Well, let's talk about, you know, we had an interesting conversation yesterday about this. Different types of karma, personal karma, family karma, you have tribal, national, earth. What kind of is the difference? And just like I said, for for people that are coming down, it's like a tapestry that you're weaving. Mm -hmm. And, And if you're coming down in a specific lifetime, let's say in this current lifetime, you know, you're looking at the lessons that you need to learn. And those lessons are, a lot of them are family karma. Some people mm-hmm. keep coming back in the same families over and over and over again. People used to always talk about the Kennedy curse, you know. 
right. and it, I'm sure that these people were together in many, many lifetimes, and it's a kind of a, a karma that they have to work out amongst themselves. And then you have like tribal or social karma, which can go back eons because, you know, basically at the beginning of our society, we were part of groups. And then you're talking about um, national karma, mm-hmm. um, and we as Americans, and, and what has happened in our country before that, universal karma, um, worldwide global karma, and there might even be a karma that we are part of that is, you know, non-terrestrial that we're not even aware of. But it all comes into play when you want to come back and, and reincarnate. And it, it's like, who are you and what is the effect that you're going to have and where are you going to go and, and how many different things will come into play. It's it's really amazing. That's why they always talk about the lords of karma and that it can take literally years to come back and to plan to come back because right. it's... Uh, uh, it's a it's a very profound process, and it's a very it's a very sacred and spiritual journey too. Which once we're here, we I don't think we remember. Right. So, what about something when you have like a tragic, like a tsunami or an earthquake or a hurricane, where so many people perish, or even have something like a nine eleven, where so many people obviously died uh, in that tragedy? How does that play into karma, or doesn't it? Well, it does. You know. And because, you know, all of the things that are are within this third density, uh, all of the elements, the wind and the water, you know, the earth, mm-hmm. all of those things are part of, of karma. It's part of what makes karma. So that if you are to die, you know, like in a tsunami, like so many people did, we may not understand why all of those people died. Maybe it was a, a, a tribal karma. You know, maybe it was right. a group of people that this is what they planned to do. But the fact that it was the water element, that in itself is karma, too. Hmm. Um, a lot of people talk about how the weather is karma. They look at the weather as being karma. And if you look at a lot of societies that, you know, especially Native American in this country, how much rain was important. And so they created rain gods and rain dances and and that, you know, in order to bring water to them in times when water was very, very scarce. So weather a lot of time is viewed, time is another thing that is viewed as karma. A lot of people will come down and their karma will run for a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, one thing I do want to talk about, and we talked about this briefly, um, you know, a few days ago as well, is that, you know, we've talked about ascension a lot in this show. And one of the things that has happened um, during this reincarnation period is that, you know, basically the golden age has been, the people that actually experienced the golden age are now here on Earth, like the Atlanteans and the Egyptians. And they're the ones uh, obviously helping us with this ascension process. So how how does how does that play out? Well, if you look at a lot of times, souls will come back if there's something great that needs to be done, and probably the easiest um, example is uh, the starting of America, our American Revolution, and uh, most of the people that reincarnated, you know, uh, Franklin, oh my gosh, all of those greats, were were basically were souls were from Greece. Because in order to institute 
a new government that was a democracy, you had to understand what democracy was. And so as they came down and created a new nation based upon freedoms, and if you, you know, you read like the Declaration of Independence and that, it's not so much where they were, but where they wanted to go. And and in this time of moving back into a, another golden age, another evolutionary step within our soul, a lot of the people that are reincarnating, like you said, are the Atlanteans and the Egyptians, because the last time this kind of golden age happened, they were the ones that were on the earth that experienced it. Wow, that is amazing. It is. And we were doing, we had a we had a little um, a Reiki group here several years ago, and it turns out we all had lives in ancient Egypt. We all knew each other, and I know you and I also had lives, many lives together. Uh, within right. Egypt as well. And now, obviously, you were a healer. You played that doctor-patient role with you know, your guide, Semmet, and now you're bringing back the temple oils from Egypt that were used on the priests and the priestesses and um, royalty back then. Yes. Which is helping to heal people at a vibrational level, not right. by taking a drug. Absolutely, absolutely. And then if you look at most of the drugs, I mean, you know, most everything was predicated upon nature anyway. Right. And it's like a third of the drugs that we use today uh, with all the drugs that we produced were known and utilized in ancient Egypt. And that is an incredible amount. And you look at even aspirin when we were talking before about aspirin. And, you know, that's the white willow bark. Right. You know, There's a frequency to aspirin. Exactly, exactly. And so it's kind of like, you know, the the, the chemical components that, that put it together, and in some instances it's very safe, and in some instances it's not, depending upon how you make it. Right. And I think that's what the ancients knew, that it was is easier to, to do it, you know, um, naturally, to do it in in hand-in-hand with nature rather than to try to do it uh, artificially. Right. Well, we don't have a lot of time left, but I do want to talk about soul levels. I mean, this is absolutely crucial in understanding people that we really kind of consider different than ourselves. And I stole this from Tony Stubbs' book, uh, Death Without Fear, but this is something that's pretty much understood within the spiritual world. But it's really fascinating because you start off with those infant souls where it's, what, like 1% of the population where all they want to do is survive. They can't take this complex society. They want a non-challenging environment. You know, they may come as, what, be part of a rainforest tribe or someone that is very secluded. And then also yeah. then we go to infant souls, which, again, that's 1% of the population. So now how does that work? So when we're, let's say, we're a new soul, we start off, as an infant soul, we go into a baby soul, and then do we kind of like go up the ranks after a certain amount of lifetimes? Oh, sure. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about, you know, when we were talking about the, you know, the evolution of the soul, and it's so easy for children to right. remember when they're younger. You know, uh, there's a belief in a lot of uh, religions, and I know, I know, especially the Jewish religion. But it's you know a soul is not completely integrated in the physical body until they're ten mm-hmm. years old, and basically right. they're de- they're declared like it's in, in their bar mitzvah and their bat mitzvah, 
And so right. they all always say you can't really hold a person totally accountable because that soul is definitely not completely there yet. And then, of course, right. you know, it's kind of like you forget, you know. But it's right. that kind of connection that allows because, you know, if if we came back with such a strong connection to the other side, we probably would not have the ability or the desire, I would think, to live in this world. No, I don't um, think people so that are, are are very very sick and in a tremendous amount of pain. It's one of the things that they don't want to do is they do not want to be present in their physical body because right. it's such a horrible experience. Right. So then from so that's your infant soul. So that's about five percent mm-hmm. of a soul's incarnations. That's when you where you kind of start off, and then you go into what's called kind of a baby soul. Where someone is kind of like, tell me what the rules are, but as soon as I learn the rules, then I'm going to tell you what to do. So I think a lot of times you find um, leaders of fundamentalist churches that are kind of like baby souls. And again, they account for, like the Middle East, they account for a large majority of the people, which explains uh, why you've got these radical groups of Islam acting the way that they do. In the U.S., though, we only have probably about 20% or so. Right, and you always remember that it's a reflection, too. You know, the the greatest fear that most all of us have as humanity is the fear of freedom of thought. Right. And so, you know, the more limitations you can, you know, place on. So, you you know, if we Mm -hmm. get up in the morning and we say we're free, it's our day, we can do whatever we want, dress any way we want. Are compared to if you're in such a fear-based environment that this is how you have to dress, you know, right. you're giving up that part of your your, your soul expression, but you're you're right. you know you're handing it over in the beliefs that you know it's it's easier for somebody to tell you what's right and what's wrong. Right, and as a baby soul, that's okay because that's kind of what you're looking for. You're looking to be led. But then after you get out of those two phases, you go into a young soul. And this is what's really interesting because 40% of the population uh, in the U.S. are actually considered kind of late young souls, which what that basically says is that he, whoever dies with the most most toys wins, which right. is a good and a bad thing. The good is obviously they're the builders of empires, they're the leaders of business, they're the Donald Trumps of the world, which you need people like that. They work tirelessly, but it's you know for material things, and then exactly. they try to convert people to their own point of view. So you need people like that, but it also obviously can go a little bit overboard as well. Absolutely, and that and you said the the, the right word. It's that materialism, you know. It's, right. it's becoming so enmeshed in the in the physical material world, you know, that you kind of lose sight of what you're really here for. Right. Now, if you're actually listening to the show, which obviously you are. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> kind of a dumb thing to say. Chances are you're either a mature soul or an old soul. So with a mature soul, that's another about, what, 30% of lifetimes that you spend. It's kind of like, it's kind of like help, I need someone. You're searching, you're searching to find yourself. Um, you sometimes have a tendency to get involved with a lot of drama and I thought this was really interesting what Tony mentioned is that the classic kind of like mature soul love triangle was actually Princess Diana, Prince Charles, and Camilla Parker Bowles. Wow. Which was interesting. And Very. then the other, the other thing he said was that these are the people that make up the vast majority that go to psychiatrists. So they're, just, <laughs> they're starting to kind of figure things, trying to you know, figure things out. 
within themselves and within you know outside of themselves as well. Right. Now, when I go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say, and that makes sense when we realize how important it is when we start opening up to be able to listen to ourselves and to right. realize that, you know, we know the answers that are best for us. They don't necessarily come from other people. Right, exactly. And then we get to the old souls, which, Janice, this, when I think of an old soul, I think of you, and it just says, just leave me alone. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> you keep telling yourself, up on the world. That's right. Don't volunteer for anything else. <laughs> exactly. You seek companionship with metaphysical groups. You're the final 5% um, of your lifetimes here on Earth. And I think you've been told that after this one, you're done. So I am done. I think you're a later old soul. I'm sh- With me, I think I'm an early old soul. I'm still kind of in that borderline between mature and old. <laughs> so... As I said, if you're wondering what soul age group you are in, if you're listening to the show, chances are you're in the mature to old soul category. So it means lot, that yeah, we're, we're over halfway of, through. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of like that blending of East West and, and everything like that mm-hmm. happened at the end of the 1800s, you know, with the uh, New Thought movement and the Theosophical right. movement, you know, and Yogananda and that. And so that's really kind of a, a of a blending of of two aspects that were separated and forgotten and then kind mm-hmm. of come back to enmesh again, you know? Right. And um like two pieces of puzzle that really fit. And so it's it's been, you know, and then of course now, you know, our understanding of of numerology and that, we've just rediscovered right. a lot of the tools that the ancients used to use and understanding in a way that it's a science even if the, we don't understand it that it can help us uh, make our lives a lot easier. And right. sometimes that's that's really important, you know. Right. So we're within this process. As I said, you go from this infant to a baby soul to a young soul to mature and then an old soul. We're in this process. Do you start having an interest in what else is there where you start to kind of awaken within yourself and your spirituality? When does that happen? Well, I, you know, I would probably say that you're, you're, you're going to be talking about midlife, maybe your 30s or that. And, of course, mm-hmm. there are always exceptions to the rules. But, you know, it, it just kind of it depends upon, I think, your interest, your curiosity, maybe your fear level. It's like, you know, sitting at home one day and you look up and, and you have a vision or somebody's talking to you and it lasts maybe for 10 seconds, and you're right. absolutely blown away by it. And what do you do? Do you get so afraid that you don't want to understand it? Or do you get up and, and not only want to understand it, but want to know, how do I get there again? Right. And but I as a, when, well, like a young soul, I mean, at 40 years old, I, but I would still think that you could still care less. Where once you get to the mature and to the old soul, that's really kind of where it starts to, starts to open up for you. Right, and then a lot of times, unfortunately, in this physical world, um, a, a lot of people first come into becoming more interested in the soul and the progress of the soul mm-hmm. and what is happening to them when they get sick. Because most people, if your life is really going along very well, you're enjoying it. You're not questioning it. 
and a lot of times it's it's death that's the door that opens up. Somebody that right. you love dies, you know, or you get sick and you don't understand it. And that kind of takes you on an inward journey. Otherwise, I think people are just very happy, happy to be looking out and living an outward journey, especially if that journey is a good one. Oh, absolutely. I think most of, especially with the the last radio show I did, Health and Harmony, which was a national show, I I would say nine out of ten of the authors that I interviewed all had some kind of a necessarily a near death experience, but they, which is a point where, oh my gosh, I may die. Whether it was an right. accident, whether it was a disease, and that's when they realized if I can, I can face the fear of death, and I can come back. I can do whatever the heck it is I want to really do with my lifetime, and the fear kind of subsides and goes away because you kind of conquered it. Oh, absolutely, and a lot of people, like you were talking about, you know, your aunt, a lot of people come back and they're mad because they don't want to leave. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, that fear And you don't even have gone. to have a near-death experience. It's just, you you know, you came right. close to dying, but you didn't, and it's almost like you reclaim and take back your life and do what you really right. want to do or get whatever message it is that you feel you need to get out. Right. Okay. Well, we have this is part one of our discussion of re- reincarnation and past lives. We're going to have a part two as well uh, with our next show, which will be on Thursday, March 24th, and of course that will be archived as well. That is going to be on past life regression, which is really, really interesting. That was one of, um, gosh, I think I probably read five books from Brian Weiss, who oh, kind of yes. stumbled on it and is now one of the, the experts in it. So yes. I cannot wait to talk about that. And with he that, we, yep, we have Illuminations. 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 It's time for Illuminations. Illuminations. Food for your mind. Okay, Janice, what do you have for us? Okay, this is from Kierkegaard. Right, said the voice, and the prophet answered, For whom? The voice said, For the dead, for those you have loved in antiquity. Will they read me? Yes, for they will come back as posterity. Ooh, nice. Well, mine is from Tony Stubbs' book, Death Without Fear. It's a little different because this is actually a quote that was channeled from Princess Diana after ah. she crossed over. So the spirit smiled so kind and gentle, told me there was no pain or sorrow where she existed. I, too, desperately wanted to go there. I took her hand knowing I would be leaving my body behind. I left my body before the doctor could unhook me. I had made the decision to go on before any medical personnel made it for me. My spirit was instantly removed from my body. I was showered with feelings of peace and love. Beautiful. (sighs) Which is nice to know. Yes. Well, Thank you once again, Janice, for an amazing show, and thank you to our wonderful listeners for joining us once again. Until next time, be inspired, be empowered, and be well. You've been listening to Heavenly Encounters, A Journey to the Other Side. Good night.